Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 354, Leadership Communication in Challenging Times. So today we're going to be talking about ways to communicate with your employees during these times. I'm Joe Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is Ram Ektiar, who's founder and partner of Ram & Co. So welcome, Ram. Thanks for joining me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Really excited to be here. And we were saying before we came on that actually we booked so far ahead on the Engage Success podcast that uh, you booked in something like November. Uh, and clearly, <laughs> yeah. we had... No idea that we were going to be talking about a, a different type of uh, challenging times at, at that time. Oh, so, boy. Um, yeah, so uh, for people uh, listening in the future who haven't uh, looked at the timestamp, we're currently in the sort of middle of July 2020, so uh, sort of four months after the whole uh, coronavirus uh, issue sort of started and, and you're not in the UK so uh, a different perspective from you as well so firstly start by uh, explaining who you are Ram, uh, what you do and, I, and as I say where you are is probably relevant too. Sure where's Waldo right so gre- so greetings from <laughs> sunny Los Angeles normally I'm based in uh, New York City and before the before the pandemic I was based on an airplane so now I decided to kind of get mm-hmm. some sunlight. Um, I founded my company about four years ago. I was a consultant at, you know, these big, large uh, public relations agencies. And my role was typically the intersection of strategy and creative. And I fell into employee engagement and internal communications a little bit by accident. Um, it was through the transformation of uh, the Citibank after the, you know, financial collapse in 2007 and it has become my absolute passion point because it, it's so fun that you're able to take all of these different marketing principles and apply them on the inside to, one, keep people engaged, but two, it's to create a culture of, of engagement and inclusivity, just like your, you know, your radio show. So um, agencies and brands call upon me and my team just to add a little bit of pixie dust, a little bit of strategic, um, uh, we call it octane boost, and so we consult directly with brands themselves, and we help um, a lot of the large agencies come up with their strategy, both for employee engagement or just communications overall. Lovely. Thank you. And it's interesting, uh, I guess there's almost two sort of routes into these conversations. We, we often have people who come from sort of the leadership people, HR side of things. Yeah. Um, but we do sort of, on a regular basis, have people who've come from as you say, the sort of marketing perspective, I always feel a bit of a, I sort of think, oh, you should have had Jo Moffat as your host because that's her <laughs> bag as well. That's where she comes from. So uh, I sort of come from the HR side. She comes from the internal comms and the marketing side. And that's exactly her sort of thing that uh, the external marketing sort of strategies brought in into the organization is, is such a, uh, a key thing. So, uh, yeah, so sorry, it's me. 
Oh, please. <laughs> well, it's, what's interesting, everything's changing, right? You know, HR's job has changed and communications job has changed and lines are blurring. So it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the natural evolution. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a bit about uh, employee engagement during these times and, and specifically about the sort of communication side of things. I and mean, we, we talked in the uh, sort of blurb that we put on our, our show page about you having some sort of simple rules for communicating with your employees and you talk about be transparent, make it a two-way dialogue and uh, never forget that there's no such thing as internal communications, all like so key. And I think they're the sort of things that we can easily say and lots of people sort of would say, yeah, that makes sense. But actually the reality of applying those things is much, much harder than just wanting to. So let's talk a bit more about that, particularly in light of the current times. Sure. So, so if you, you know, for the marketers who are listening, you know, the underlying message here is that social media has changed everything. It's changed everything from an external marketing perspective, and it's changed everything from an inter-employee engagement and communications perspective as well. And the reason why I say you have to be transparent is that the days of closed doors, secret meetings, town halls that aren't being recorded on, on an iPhone are over. So mm-hmm. either you can choose to be transparent or social media will choose to make you more transparent. <laughs> and so that's, that's, that's where I go with that. I mean, I can't tell you, I mean, how many articles should we pull up that appear, you know, on the front pages of newspapers where it's about a meeting that happened at Facebook and, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's about how Mark Zuckerberg addressed the team and his vision for the company leaked, the entire thing leaked. Or how a, you know, for example, the CEO of Away, of Away Luggage, how nasty she was to employees. And those kinds of conversations were captured on the Slack channel and then released to the media. So you don't have a choice to be transparent or not be transparent. The age of social media, the age that we're in overall, is now demanding that you be transparent. And to build upon that, social media. Social media is a way for brands to have two-way dialogue with their consumers, with their, with their customers. The same thing happens here with employee engagement. Gone are the days of hierarchical structures, that things come from the top down, and it's going to really be rolled out and, and work. No. Um, we're, in, we're in an age where people want to have their voice heard, and, and they're going to demand it, and they actually have hold the power, because the labor market, up until coronavirus, of course, extremely challenging to find and retain really good people. So people want to be involved in the shaping of their, com- of their company and want you to listen to what they're saying. And then going back to the original principle of there is transparency, there is no such thing as internal communications. Um, I just found an article on the New York Post about a Red Bull sales meeting where it was basically racially breaking out. The, they, had, they broke out the world in different regions, and they had t- tied really bad um, racist overtones to the way they described the individual region. And remember, this is, you know, Red Bull, people on skateboards, diving out of airplanes, et cetera, but completely inappropriate for management to put together a sales training um, with that kind of a slide on it. Picture of the slide appears on the front page of the New York Post. So the way that I was taught by my original boss was your memos, your presentations, anything that you communicate, your emails, you have to assume that they're going to make it to the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And I think that's really, really 
good advice in the day of social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny, I remember sort of, I, I used to teach social media when it was first a thing, um, sort of, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. <laughs> and um, I remember having conversations with organizations where I'd be saying, you know, your your people are going to be on social media and they're going to say things about the company and they'd be saying, oh, no, no, they're not allowed to do that. And I remember back to my days of retail where there was like one wow. spokesperson for the company. And yet, you know, I would say, well, hang on, every day you have somebody on a checkout talking to a customer representing the company and we allow that to happen. Yeah. And we, we sort of trust that to happen. Why would we not trust people to talk, you know, more globally about the company and they're going to anyway now because of as you say social media and it was yes. quite scary and it's still scary for a lot of organizations isn't that it, it really is and and you have you it's incredibly naive to think that people that your employees are not a brand ambassadors whether they're yeah. on the clock or whether they're not on the clock so the experience that you create the culture that you create within your organization will be reflected in the way that that person engages and talks about your company and your, and your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, sometimes we come at this from an HR perspective, but it's really, when you think about this, you're, it's, a, it's the brand presentation that you're giving to your employees, to your customers, to your other stakeholders and partners. Yeah. So um, it, it, in addition to enabling them to talk about the brand or, or, or you know, voice their opinion, there's a cultural mindset shift that's now happened about what you can and cannot talk about. And so people feel empowered and impassioned to talk about their experience at work, whether you want to or not. So mm. even if you can help shape that dialogue and the way that they represent your brand by engaging them in the right way, or you cannot, and you can, you know, have a situation like away luggage or the way that we work through their layoffs and things like that. Mm. And you also don't know what influence people have. I mean, one of the things I, I keep thinking about is right near the beginning of, of lockdown, my husband's company said that they were going to not go back to the office. They were going to sell some of their office buildings. And, of course, because of what I do and the conversations I have, I've mentioned that. <laughs> and then I keep thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because you could find out who they are if yeah. you, you know, check me out, found, you know, all that sort of thing. And, sure. and I don't think it is confidential, but, of course, it's very relevant for the stuff that I talk about. So, of course, it comes out, but they don't know that, he's got a wife who talks about this stuff and you know all this sort of thing and so you never know where things are going even if it's not malicious do you yeah no I mean look at the end of the day like I said the the best advice I got when I started my career in in PR like at 20 you know 24 years old act like it's going to appear on the front page of whatever newspaper your mom and would you be able to defend it that's that's mm. really that's it's, it's quite simple, and I think you you know my my ethos for employee engagement is use your common sense, and I think that that's something that we all forget. Um, it, it, you know, it really is a, a game of common sense and putting yourself in the in the other person's shoes and how you want to be treated, how you want to be engaged. So mm. it's 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 simple. The, the execution is not, and the nuance is not all the time. No, and and that sort of leads me on to the sort of next thing I'd like to talk about which is that that bit about how sort of transparent should you be because you know at the moment we've we've got a lot of organizations where they're making people redundant or they're potentially going to be doing that or they're going to be closing you know lots of the retail and restaurants in the UK are closing Uh, and 
you know, people fill in the gaps if you don't tell them the truth anyway. But where in that process should we be talking to people and how much should we be talking to people? Because it's so public, but it's also so yeah. um, individually um, affecting of people. So, so it, it, it's interesting because I've got a couple of examples. So, the, you know, the one that comes, comes to mind right now is a lot of companies are calling me about how do I address the Black Lives Matter protests with my employee base? And, you know, we don't have a policy on this. This is something that we weren't prepared for. Um, and I said, let's start with that. And, and I think that, that having that honest, when you don't know what to say, I think it's okay to say, we really don't know what to say. But what you can, what you can talk about is, you know, we're recognizing that there's a huge movement going on right now. And it's our job to figure out what we need to do to, to address those kinds of issues within our organization. And we're dedicated to doing that. We don't have the answers right now. And we don't have all the, all the solutions. But we're making our commitment to do that. And then you have to back that up with more action, right? And so it's a series of communications that you establish a level of trust. One, you're establishing the issue and that you're recognizing that there's an issue going on with your first communication. But in the subsequent communication, it actually has to be backed up with proof and action because, again, like you said, people are not dumb. They're not naive. They're going to put the dots. They're going to connect the dots. There mm-hmm. was a scenario when we were first at MetLife, and MetLife, this was one of my biggest employee engagement um, jobs, and it was a thrill. They were going to take um, and uh, make severe cuts across the company, and they were going to reinvest that into technology, which everyone knew that there were going to be cuts across the company. And so we had a scenario, we were working in the global technology and operations um, division at the time, where folks knew that there, that there were going to be job losses. And we, at the same time, the organization still had to continue because there was going to be about one to two years by the time that they figured out what the organization is going to look like after they go through this transformation process, right? After the, the McKinsey's and the Boston consulting groups get done with their binders and tell you, hey, this is the way your business is going to survive. And so how do you motivate people and, get, and keep them working and get, keep advancing the overall organizational objective when they know that there might not be a future? So we actually mm. were very transparent about that. And we, were, we, we said, we don't know what the future holds for the organization. But regardless, we want to make sure that you're prepared for whatever your next career step becomes. And so we developed an initiative called Rise to the Top, which, which for, for those of you in the UK, we basically copied the model of Dragon's Den. Um, in the US, it's called the Shark Tank, where we wanted to develop, um, we developed a, basically a Shark Tank initiative where they had to come up and put together different teams to develop a technology solution that allowed insurance to monetize social media, right? The, the, the actual product doesn't really matter. The intention was, was to get people to bulk up their resume and to bulk up their skills. And we were very intentional in the way that we talked about that. So people were incentivized to participate in the initiative, the challenge, putting together teams, putting together different ideas. We flew them out to New York. They pitched their ideas to the executive committee. The executive committee voted, and they followed three or four different initiatives, and they incubated them. That process gave them credibility for their next resume, for their next job opportunity. And we were very, very transparent in the fact that we don't know what the future is going to hold in terms of the future of your job here at MetLife, but we want to make sure that you're armed no matter where you go. 
And it was incredibly successful. Um, people really, really were into it. And it became a really great way to rally, to rally the team under um, uncertain times. Mm, mm, I love that idea. And so, so positive. I think often in sort of redundancy situations, uh, the people running the process go into that sort of fight, flight, freeze mode and end up becoming yeah. completely different people mismanaging it left, right, center because they don't yeah. know how to do it in a different way. And, and, you know, it's not fun. You know, it's a very basic human um, thing that we're messing with. We're, 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 we're mm. messing with people's food and shelter, right? This is mm. a very basic human thing. So um, my advice to companies and, and brands and whatever I advise agencies on this is that to remember the human factor in all of this. Yeah. And while you're putting out your communications about why you're making these redundancies happen, and you're being very transparent that this is an economic case, like with COVID, I mean, my goodness, look at how many organizations had to communicate about furloughs, layoffs, um, staff yeah. reductions. I'm, I'm working with a global manufacturer right now on, on those very issues, and it's really tough to navigate. What's mm. really important, though, is that there's no corporate jet flying in the background, that you're not also recruiting for other positions and they're being made public, that mm. you're, you know, the marketing guys don't have a party kind of a thing. And, and it's really making sure that you're talking the talk but also walking the walk. Otherwise, you're, again, role of transparency, it's going to come out that these are just words on a page and not really mm. what the company believes and values. Yeah. So thinking about that and, and talking about it being a two-way dialogue, how how can we do that? I, I did a, a video recording with Joe, my co-host, the other day where we were talking about redundancy and saying how often um, companies in the UK, they have to consult through redundancy for a period of time, depending on how many people yep. are looking to yep. use and all that sort of thing. And, that, and how often that becomes a tick the box, we've done it because we have to, rather than what it's supposed to be about, which is about we need to reduce costs or we need to close a, a, an office or whatever. How can we do that in the best way? And, and the consultation is supposed to be, you know, come to us with ideas. How can we as an organization make this happen? You know, that it's, yeah. it's the, the sort of best for everyone or the, the not as bad as it could be for some people, you know, all that sort of thing. And it never seems to, yeah. not never, that's me making sweeping generalizations. <laughs> it often it often seems to be, you know, we, we tick the box and consult with people, but we're not really asking them for their thoughts and feedback and acting on that. How do you make sure that that's yeah. what you do do? So, so I'm going to tell you, like, it's not, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, right? Um, mm. and, and, and what do I mean by that? Because, <laughs> by the way, I've, got, I've gained the COVID-19. I don't know if anyone else is struggling <laughs> with that. You know, I, instead yeah. of the freshman 15, I've gained the COVID-19. Yeah. So, so my, my point in saying it's a, it's, it's a lifestyle, not a diet, it's a really tough gig to all of a sudden to have, to be able to tap into the various levels of an organization and truly understand the different needs. I could be sitting in headquarters in Canary Wharf and not understand what's going on in the actual branch office over, you know, on the other side of town. So, mm-hmm. you know, for, for us, what we really, really, truly believe, and, and it sounds so lame, is these little committees or these little, you know, um, groups of ambassadors that are, that are chosen throughout various levels of the organization to represent different functions, geographies, and mindset. And, and we're not talking anything crazy here. So for, like, 
MetLife, a staff of like, uh, we were working with global technology and operations. That was a staff of 21,000 people worldwide. We had a communications committee. We called them, you know, employee champions and, and, and employee ambassadors. And we would have a once, a once a month call just to hear, you know, what's word on the street? What's happening? What are you hearing? Are there employees that we need to feature and highlight? And how did our last, our, our last communications campaign go? You know, were, were, were your teammates buying what we're selling, as I say? Were they into the content or did it not resonate? By creating those little committees, that provides us with an opportunity to make sure that the campaigns or the communications that we come up with actually will resonate. Um, mm. That's one way. So the little communications thing. We're doing global town halls with another company right now. And it, it, in, during COVID, it was during, on a weekly basis. And now we go to a monthly basis. A dumb 10-question survey. I know it sounds simple, but incredibly important in understanding was the content relevant to you? Was it presented in a way that kept you engaged? What topics did we not cover that you, want, that you still want us to cover? Very, very simple questions that help us understand and take a pulse. And then, of course, there's the, you know, if you have the right kind of technology platform, which I, I think a, a last podcast of yours was all about the digital transformation. Mm-hmm. If you have different tech platforms, there are ways to kind of just like you would on social media, post a question to employees and have them start to respond and develop a dialogue thread. Now, I know a lot of people are freaking out by me saying that, but that's not controlled. Oh, my God, people are going to go crazy. I, I, look, I work in pharmaceuticals and, and, and finance, so I understand the fears. But those conversations are happening anyway. It is better for you to see them and to be able to address them versus to act like they don't exist. And Mm. the younger the generation that's entering the workforce, the more they're used to everything being kind of spilled out there and available for people to look at. So it's this cultural shift that we're moving towards that we all need to get wise to. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, that's a really key point, isn't it, That, that conversations are happening in some ways, it's almost like how can you how can you sort of get those visible because you know that they're there anyway. So how what sort of different strategies can you use to get them visible so that you know what you're working with? I guess. Yes, and and then you know, for example, with with the town hall, we have the CEO address those questions, um, and mm. they'll actually reference the question that was asked specifically, or. Um, they'll recognize that, hey, so-and-so posted this on the internet, and I want to make sure that I address it. So while it's not a direct two-way conversation per se, it's a delayed one, um, but it's that it's, it's getting the information from employee back up to the person who's communicating and, and back and forth. And it helps you adjust, and it helps you make sure that your content is relevant and it's resonating. Um, and if it's not, and if you're hiding something or if you're not addressing something, it gives you the opportunity to, to kind of take it on head on if it's appropriate. And by the way, just because it's a transparent society and, and things are moving this way, some things are absolutely not um, uh, the right form to be addressed publicly. If anything, you give them the opportunity to have one-on-one conversations as well, whether it's with their local HR leader, their individual team, or in this case, the CEO was, was really cool and said, please email me. I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point as well, as you say, that uh, you say everything's sort of open, but actually not everything is. And, and it's sort of, I guess, yeah. part of the, the challenge is, is working out which is which. <laughs> 
Right. Mm-hmm. The art and science, isn't it? At the, at the end of the day. <laughs> and, and, and this is where I keep going back to everything for employee engagement has to be, you know, that common sense, that logic, that gut, and putting yourself in the other person's shoes and thinking, well, how, what would I want to know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what would I want to hear? What, what is keeping, what would be keeping me up at night? And we have, mm-hmm. you know, we have a saying because the first George Bush lost the second ele- his second election. It's the economy, stupid, right? So it's usually the kinds of things that are keeping you up at night will likely be keeping up your, your colleagues up at night as well. Mm-hmm. And so just we're moving into the last sort of five minutes of the show. What, what things should we not be doing uh, when we're communicating during sort of times of, of crisis, um, and, uh, and I guess we, we should finish with the positive as well. So <laughs> what should we be doing? We, we started with yeah, that. No, it too. <laughs> no it, and, and, it, and it's, and it's diff, it, you know, that's, that's, that's a difficult one, right? Um, it's, it's a gut check thing. But I would say being overly defensive. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes companies screw up. And if, if you have to do the mea culpa, but it, but it also, you don't have to beat yourself up to death. And I think that um, where it goes to, it's a fine line. It's acknowledgement, number one, because that's what really people want, is they want to be acknowledged and they want to be heard. So acknowledging the issue is the right thing to do. Um, But then you also then have to back it up with action, because, again, I'm not going to believe you if you don't walk the walk as opposed to just talking the talk. But then you don't have to over-apologize. The other thing is, and again, the age of social media, trolls are going to troll. And there's yeah. a lot of trolling going on out there. And our recommend, and from a crisis communications perspective, we don't recommend engaging with the trolls because I think that those people are the ones that you're never going to convince. And mm-hmm. I think you have to do that, that logical balance equation of who are the people that are on the fence that I need to convince? Who are the people who are already on my side that I want to keep them with me? And then making a cost of goods sold analysis these guys are never going to come see, the, see it my way. So it's basically a defense strategy against that messaging versus um, proactively engaging them. So that's mm-hmm. what the kind of do not think. So don't over-apologize. Um, for me, it's, it's acknowledgement and it's taking action to address it as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. So last couple of minutes then, top tips people need to be focusing on at these these times? I think, I think people are stressed out. I don't know about you. Um, I'm mm. a pretty, pretty chipper kind of a person, but, but this takes its toll on you. Um, it's not normal not to be able to go see your friends, your family. I love going into the office because I'm a chatterbox and I want to visit different cubicles and say hello and all those different things. So I think people need to feel supported. And I'm talking about this from a, from a COVID-19 perspective and the isolation People need to be, feel that they have somewhere that they can turn to that if they're stressed out and to be offered a resource. In, in the U.S. in particular, we are really, really dealing with the Black Lives Matter movement. And there are individuals within the company who are like, finally, someone has understood that there is systemic racism in the United States. And it's being available to those employees who are, well, now all my employees, all my colleagues are treating me different, differently because of this movement. How do I react to that? How come all of a sudden I matter and before I didn't? 
And so just a simple outreach and telling your managers to reach out to employees who are, you know, affected by these kinds of things and say, hey, listen, I'm around. If anything's stressing you out, you know, feel free to call me. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. And if the company does have more formal resources or employee assistance programs where people can kind of phone up and get some support, it's really important to make sure that, that, that folks know that, that those are available to them. Mm-hmm. We all need a little bit of support. You know, um, that the, the employer doesn't have to be the shrink here, but um, we're, we, we can't be short-sighted into thinking, even though people still may have a job and even though they're working remote, they've been affected, whether it's by COVID-19, whether it's by the protests, or whether it's by, you know, massive layoffs and, and, and redundancies overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ram. It's been really interesting talking to you. And I'll just uh, reiterate uh, what we said right at the beginning about those uh, simple rules that you live by, be transparent, make it two-way, and uh, there's no such thing as internal comms anymore. I think they're just really key sort of tenets for people to, to hold as they as they move through and, and sort of navigate their way through these times. So thank you for sharing today. It's, it's such a pleasure, and I know I'm, I keep saying this. I feel like I'm Captain Obvious. I mean, these things are just, they seem so simple, but they're foundational principles that have worked for me such a pleasure to be on your show today and to, and to join your other guests. It's been fantastic. Lovely. Thank you. So just to let you know, uh, Joan Moffat will be back next week, and she's talking to Sharon Peake, who is from Shaped Talent Limited, and they're talking about the three barriers to women's progression. So Joe will be back with you next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.